Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Is it just me or is the postseason screaming along? It just seems like everybody's just in a hurry to be to the postseason now. Let's, let's hurry up and get. Or they're sweeping every team that's winning, sweeping or coming close to sweeping so they can test out the five or six game series. I mean, uh, days off um, theory. What do you think? I think you're right. And I just thought when you were saying everybody's in a hurry, it made me think of that Alabama song. Oh, I'm in a hurry. Get things done. Yeah. Rush and I rush and... until life's no fun. <laughs> That's right. All <laughs> I really want to do is live and die. Even I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. <laughs> so... That's right. Why Why and why, especially for the die part. I know. I don't, I don't know. Why, about why am I in such a hurry to get there? Yeah. And so... Why, why are the teams in such a hurry to, to get this done? I don't know. By the way, you're listening to uh, the latest edition of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. I guess we were in such a hurry to get to talking about baseball. I guess, though, it, it's not like it just randomly pops up. You know what podcast you selected to listen to, I, I think. And if not, well, welcome aboard. Yeah. Hopefully next time you do choose us uh, on your own, not uh, randomly. Anyway, uh, before we get uh, going, if you're not sure where to find us to uh, check out what we're posting, if we're posting anything on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Sibling Rivalry BB without the A. And on Instagram and Facebook at Sibling Rivalry BB with the A. All right. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. NLDS because it wasn't over when we finished last episode. We're not going to let you get away with just going, oh, the Dodgers got swept and then moving on to something else like we did last week. I let you have a week to marinate in it to to get over it or whatever you had to do. It was too fresh last time. Too fresh of a wound. Thank you for not pouring salt in it. All right. Well, that's this week. <laughs> this week, you're right. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Luckily, you're not a slug. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll also talk about uh, the uh, American League Championship Series, which has started, as has the NLCS. We'll talk about both of those. Those will be a little bit later, maybe even a spin on the wheel and the Gold Glove uh, nominations are out. And uh, kind of an end of an era. Surprise. So we'll talk about all that and more. But first, Atlanta or the Dodgers? Let's go with Atlanta. I'm just not quite ready. All right, time to put a wrap on the Atlanta Phillies series. They left truest whatever it is truest field park we know that there's a lot of truest whatever and they headed up to citizens bank ballpark in the city of brotherly love philadelphia to finish everything up before we get going um 
we gotta we gotta share this uh we gotta share this story because we didn't talk about it last time. We did talk about the situation that led to this, but we didn't really talk about it. so in game two, uh we talked about how due to a base running error, and I don't care what anybody says, uh the, all the people who've been trying to give uh Harper Bryce Harper, a, um, you know, like, Hey, I would have done the same thing. I would have done that Well, You don't know what you would have done. You know, you're not Bryce Harper, but it was a base running error. He ends up getting thrown out. That leads to the Braves winning that game. Now let's fast forward from that to after the game, the scene, let's set the scene here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Atlanta's locker room, the players, celebrating a bit because hey they just won a game in the postseason that's uh out of the two games at that point they're at least tied they're looking around hey everybody else is getting swept this looks pretty good we're gonna we're good orlando arcia all-star shortstop orlando arcia apparently didn't realize that the press was still in the uh the locker room you play the part of orlando arcia all right all right. And excited uh, utterances. At a boy, Harper. At a boy, Harper. At a boy, Harper. All right. On a constant loop. Yes. It just it boy, never Harper. ends. It never ends. It'll just keep going. And uh, and then was surprised when it found its way out of the clubhouse. Yes. But so, it was said in front of reporters. Right. So, and then people are kind of upset that the reporters took that out of the clubhouse. But what do reporters do? Report on what's happening in the clubhouse. Right. They, they <laughs> take that. So, now let's fast forward two days, because there was a travel day, to Philadelphia. Now, we've already talked about this game that the Phillies did not. Uh, they we just didn't talk about this part of it. But they, they get there and the Phillies beat up on the Braves that first game in Philadelphia, 10 to 2. Which included two home runs from. Bryce Harper, boy Harper, boy Harper, exactly boy. Because that's what, and that's what the fans of Philadelphia were all saying, and his teammates, "Add a boy, Harper, add a boy," and then they all looked at uh, Orlando Arcia and went, "Ha ha!" Um, except for Bryce Harper, who gave him the stare down of death two times, not two just times. once, two times. And when he crosses the plate, and this is a controversial thing, there are fans that don't like this. When he crosses the plate, he gives the stare to Arcia as he's rounding the base, rounding the bases. Then he gets to home plate and he does a slashing uh, movement across his neck, uh, you know, motion. And there's some people who don't like that. They like that. I, I think too it much. It was just like it's over. Right, and I think that's more what it is than Bryce was going. It's, <laughs> you know, you're in you're in Philadelphia. Watch yourself. The city of brotherly love just means we get close enough to you that you think your brother's next to you before we kill you. 
the whole thing is crazy because it really became controversial. There were other people weighing in. Kevin Gossman of the Blue Jays said that it was a mistake for those comments to be reported. They were said out loud in the locker room rather than in an interview. Okay. And others, of course, defended the situation, saying that, you know, hey, it's fair game. If if it's said in the locker room, reporters are there, it's fair game. The biggest backlash was from Alana Rizzo, who used to work for Sportsnet LA, was the on-field reporter for the Dodgers, now mm-hmm. is on MLB Network uh, high heat. And she got upset with the reporter for reporting it and had to uh, publicly and then privately apologize. Cause I'm like, you're a reporter. And if you heard that in the locker room, you would have reported that don't act like you were just like, Oh yeah, I didn't hear that. Because I could see her on the field as the on-field reporter when Bryce Harper got up, hits a home run, stares at Arcia. Oh, let's go down to Alana Rizzo on the field. She's got the backstory. She's going to report it. Of course she is. So why get all bent out of shape? Because... Because she's on high heat, and if she doesn't get bad out, of, you know, out of shape, then Christopher Russo, uh, who's always out of shape right. or bent out of shape, um, yeah. is uh, you know she's got to she's got to match him on there. I right. guess I don't know, but yeah, I didn't even know that all of that was going on. I knew about what Arcia said, but I was like, okay, so what? And they made T-shirts of it. Uh, the Phillies players were wearing them, you know, at least in the locker room, maybe during warmups. Ha ha. Uh, you know, way to go, Harper and uh, T-shirts. And um, the players have. Yeah, the all the players. It's amazing to me how fast T-shirts are made. Do do each, do each team, do they have like a printer? And they're just, probably they just they I'm have thinking. to. So it's super fast. Super fast. So they, yeah. So anyway, so that turned into it and really, um, that was a one, a one moment thing. And he, he really did. He was thanking him. Hey, if, if, if you didn't do that, we may have lost that game and maybe we'd be, uh, you know, getting swept that night. It'd be over for him. So haha, Thanks. Thanks Harper. He was sincere. Yeah. I, and, Bryce Harper said, you know, it's just a game. It's fun. Everybody played a really good game. That's what it's all about. And we all know Bryce Harper. He not only is he a good ball player, he's also has a flair for the dramatic. And, and you use I that think, for your advantage. And I think that was fun when he went by because it wasn't like he, you know, Arcia said something just really um, really bad about him or something like that. Right. He just way to go. And, you know, there was nothing with that. You know, hey, you helped our team. He's saying so, thank you because guess what? Without your mistake, 
we can't seem to figure out how to win a postseason game. So thank you. <laughs> the Braves met with the same, uh, you know, the same thing as the Dodgers. Their their pitching was better. Yeah. But they couldn't hit. Here's this prolific lineup that had a great offensive year yeah. across the board. Right. Matt Olson had 52 home runs. 53. Okay. So I was I was jipping him one. 53. I don't think he hit a home run in the postseason. Not that I recall. Um, no home runs there. You figure uh Ronald Acuna Jr. He only hit 143. Here's a guy who is definitely getting the MVP. I don't I don't care what anybody says. Once he hit 70 um steals and 40 home runs. Those were the magic numbers. It was like last year with 62 and Aaron Judge. Same thing. Uh, that just that was just it. That's the magic number. You're now the MVP. It's an unwritten rule. Once you hit some kind of number like that, you're just automatically. Yeah. <laughs> and and but he didn't do anything. Uh, you know, I think uh, who was it? Um, Austin Riley. Is he the yeah. only one that was actually able to hit throughout the uh, the series? Yeah, he hit what like three fifty, mm-hmm. something like that. So, I mean, and he had he was he had two home runs. He had three RBIs. He this is he's the team leader for the postseason. Yeah, it was not. They didn't get uh, a lot six of. Hits. Yeah, they didn't get a all... lot of offense from the guys who had been giving them. Marcelo Zuna, who had done well throughout the season, hit 154. Uh, you know, um, Matt Olson was at 250. Ozzie Albies hit 267 over that stretch. Uh, Sean Murphy was the only other one that had a pretty respectable 286. Otherwise, um, you know, they just didn't have uh, they didn't have anything. Michael Harris the second. Made one great play. That was and, it. <laughs> uh, did nothing else. Did nothing else. Yeah, and uh, Orlando Garcia hit 154. So, add right. a boy, Orlando. a boy. <laughs> That's it. Way to go. Uh, you know, pitching wise, they did a little bit better. Spencer Strider had a couple of uh, starts in this one and, uh, you know, walks off with a 2.84 ERA. Um, in the in the last game, gave up three home runs, uh, two to Nick Castellanos, who hit two the night before. Yeah, and then becomes the only player in postseason history to have two multi-homer nights. He is getting the power of Scooby-Doo into his aura, I guess. I into know. his aura, huh? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's got that. Uh, he's he's channeling Scooby yeah, and Shaggy. He is. And Scrappy. And Scrappy. Scrappy-doo. And then Trey Turner. Where did he come from? I don't know. I mean, this is the worst part, I think, for being a Dodger fan. Yeah, Trey Turner, you're watching him play 
in the postseason with a much better team. And at this point, you know, in the postseason. And got- you've got Corey Seager playing for the Rangers. Ah. And they could be on a collision course. They could be. For the World Series, depending on what's going on. Because the Braves, uh, the Braves go back home. Uh, and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. has nothing to say. Nothing. Nope. No comment. Spencer Strider, really, his comments about, they'd ask him about the format, and he basically said, they're... We can't blame the format. You need to have focus. You need to, you know who you are, you know what you need to do. So you need to have focus. You need to get yourself ready. And that's just the way it is. But he, you know, I'm like, what did you do to get yourself ready? So you would win the postseason, the two games that you pitched. And he didn't. And he didn't because he. Over two. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't get either of those uh, of those wins after a, a pretty decent season. But he had fallen off in the second half of the season, and uh, not well, a surprise. One thing with the Braves is they, and I think you mentioned this last week, is how they clinched their division early, and once they clinched, they fell off. I mean, it was the Marlins swept them and they didn't just sweep. I mean, I think one game was double digit runs and they had like two, you know? Yeah. They like just, a, they, they kind of just weren't playing at all. And I think you had to continue to play well. You don't have to, you know, you get, you can give days off to people. You don't have to be it, it intense, but you, I think maybe you do, you have to maintain that. Yeah, I think you really do have to maintain that momentum that got you to the top of your division. You have to continue to play like that because then you lose your edge because then you have a bye. And whether you say, oh, well, it's good that they had a bye because they their arms were rested or, you know, uh, somebody kind of tweaked their knee and so they were able to rest it, be on the roster there's lots of different things, but it obviously is not working well. Yeah. So now the Braves have the same question that uh, every other team that's not in the playoffs have. Where do we go from here? You know, what uh, do, how do we fix the things that we saw were problems? The pitching became an issue. Uh, you know, you had injuries or guys coming back, Max Freed had uh, had come off of injuries, you know, Charlie Morton. What about those guys? What about other players that, uh, you know, you get Strider, but how do things change so that he's more effective next time? So they've got, uh, they've got a lot of questions to answer as well. And when we talk about questions that need to be answered, uh, the Dodgers, I think, are one of the teams that come to mind, like, foremost – uh, when it comes to playoff teams, to division winners, obviously we know the Angels will be a team that has a lot of questions in the offseason because simply because of Shohei and the changes, looking for a manager. What are they going to be looking for? We know about all that. We're going to talk about all that stuff with them 
after the playoffs, after the World Series, when we re- when we put a you know a bow on the season, we'll uh, we'll talk about those things, and we'll do the same for the Dodgers, where we break down what we think needs to happen with them, what they need to be looking for, in our opinions, obviously, um, and uh, and the things that we've heard. So, and right now there's a lot of information being thrown out there. Uh, you know, Andrew Friedman talking about that they, it was an organization, organizational failure that they didn't get too far beyond. Uh, so on all levels, he even admitted, and it's hard to get him to admit he did anything wrong, mm-hmm. but he even admitted, Hey, I played a role in this too, by not doing certain things. I should have gotten some pitching, you know, uh, Dave Roberts. I should have got better prepared them. Uh, the players, unlike R- Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, both stepped up to say, but what did they really say? They really didn't say a lot other than, uh, uh, really, I think they were embarrassed. I mean, you had to be. Because Mostly they said, I don't know. No, they just said, we didn't play like we should have played and... You know, they basically just empty. It's just empty words. And they did take the blame. You're like, hey, it's our fault. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but they went, what, one for 21? 21. One, one for 21. Or 21. The two of them. And so how... I, just, I don't understand how you can just fail that spectacularly in the game that they both play have been playing they're all stars or mvps they're gold gloves they're you know silver have they won silver yes silver sluggers they're they're the total package right when you think of you know how many times have you watched a game and the announcers say especially the national uh, feeds there isn't a player that I wouldn't want, this is, Freddie Freeman is the player I'd want in this exact situation right now, you know, or Mookie Betts, just insert a name. It's always them. And then they just, the word's embarrassing. That's an, it's embarrassment. They didn't even win a game. No. And they, they couldn't, it, it's not as if um, they, they didn't know these guys and they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, read the scouting reports very well. The thing yeah. that happened is, is I think that is why, um, is that they did know them. They were too familiar with them. They were. And one of the things that I've heard since, uh, since this, well, since they, they lost was, uh, things about both Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly they could never beat the Dodgers. Right. And I think both of them hadn't won at Dodger no. Stadium. And they were talking about that during the season, they saw things in their preps for that about where they were releasing the ball, that it wasn't necessarily that they were tipping pitches, but kind of. They were giving away, um, in some cases, giving away. In other cases, it was just where they were throwing the ball from. So their release point was in a spot that made it easier for the Dodger players to pick it up. They adjusted that, and the Dodger hitters never did adjust. I don't know if the Diamondbacks can can beat the Phillies. I mean, I'm sure they can. I don't know if they will. Right. But one thing 
that Tori Lavallo did was all this season was to look at things from the past and work on making them better. This is a team that is great defensively uh, and they've, in, they've improved year after year because he's, he's actually using analytical data to come up with ways to coach better things like taking ground balls. What, what do the numbers say? How, where do the balls go most of the time? What kind of range do you need? How fast are the majority of balls coming off of the bat? And then working through that, using a pitching machine or a, a ball machine to get the balls out there to certain thing and, and, and doing that. We go back and we've talked about Joe Madden's book throughout the year. That's kind of what Joe has said. I'm not against everybody. All of a sudden thought Joe was against analytics. Joe's kind of like the father of analytics when it comes to stuff that he was doing without a computer. He was out every day compiling these numbers on his own and using them. But as he said, there's a time for the numbers and that's before the game. It's a time for those numbers in when you're, when you're training, when you're in practice, you know, when you're talking about things, but during the game, it's, it's, it's a whole different place. Don't start dropping a ton of numbers on me because it doesn't help me unless you're saying, by the way, uh, like, uh, Kurt Gibson, uh, you know, in the world series being told, Hey, and this was before the game too. This is a certain pitch. He likes to throw at this time. Still before the game. Right. And he remembered that this is information you need going in as part of your game planning. Once you're in the game, you have to play the game as it comes. And the Dodgers never picked up on any changes. They, they didn't. Did well, and, and I think it was Max Muncie who said that they were not disciplined at the plate. So I think what you were saying shows that about Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, because over the season, I think they were just expecting, oh, it's going to be this or that. They had changed things. They had worked on improving, not doing that, you know, like not necessarily tipping pitches, but being able to see the release. They changed it up and the Dodgers didn't follow suit. They just, they weren't disciplined. And I think Max Muncie was the last one, from what I understand, out of the clubhouse uh, that after that loss. Because I think one, he didn't have a great season, and he came, he got better, you know, but he didn't have a Max that Max Muncie season that we're so used to, with you know home run like oh he's gonna hit it, you know he couldn't even do that in the postseason in these three games. Right. So I think there's and, a lot on of that. And then they got so out of it that when they finally did get to a pitcher who was throwing over the middle of the plate half the time with the, the rookie that they uh, that the D-backs threw out there in that last game, Brandon Fat, or F I don't I guess that's how you fought. Um, they couldn't pick up. I mean. Freddie missed his pitch. More than once. Yep. That could have changed the whole feel of of a game. 
And uh, he couldn't do that. Lance Lynn, honestly, Lance Lynn was Lance Lynn. He's given up multi-homers in a game before. You hoped it wouldn't happen. And they didn't really have any other choices. Right. And I've heard the arguments from on various Dodger, you know, accounts and uh, things where it's like, why would they start Lance Lynn? They knew the Lance Lynn gave up home runs. Why didn't they start Ryan Pepio? But what I mean, if they win game three, who starts game four? Ryan Pepio was going to start game four. So, well, there was that talk or there's even talk about running Clayton back out there. Oh, right. No game. Yeah, no, he actually I'm sorry. Yeah. So he was Clayton was going to start game four. So actually it would have been five like game five. So I don't know. I mean, you just you don't know because sure, Ryan Pepio could have had an awesome game. He could have gone out there and just shut him down. We have no idea, but we had to go with what we had, right? The Dodgers and, had to go with Lance Lynn. And the, the Dodgers, um, just, they're a great regular season team. They are not. And, and year after year, year it's proven. They're not a postseason team. They're the not starters, built for the postseason at all. Right. The starters only went four and two thirds innings. Uh, over the three games. And the bulk of that was actually Lance Lynn, who he went two and two thirds. Yeah, he he went the longest. And he when they started, the game started, he looked good. And then whether he was doing something in his delivery or there, you know, there was something maybe that the, the D-backs picked up on I don't know or he just was throwing over the you know right here hit this and they did four times over the fence you just don't know and I I think you know if it had been obviously if it had been a regular season game it's not that big of a deal but this is the third game of a five game series and you are down two games you haven't won anything you didn't win at home and now that the diamondbacks are in the postseason i think the calls of oh yeah um was it chase field is just you know la east or you know the stadium did it eat and it's not anymore no not after that no yeah the the pitching was was atrocious the starters over the four and two-thirds innings gave up 13 runs we talked about clayton kershaw his he had a, a third of an inning his era was 162 bobby miller threw one inning and his was 16.2 right and uh, Lance Lynn was, uh, because he got two and two-thirds, was uh, 13.5. None of them could do anything. And luckily, overall, the bullpen uh, in all the games were were pretty decent mm-hmm. to kind of stop everything from there. If the if the offense had gotten going, I, I think the Dodgers move on uh, easily, even with the bad pitching, because I... the bullpen was great. Yeah, the bullpen was great. I think uh, Brewster Gratterall deserves MVP for the season for the Dodgers. He was excellent this this season. And that was kind of like, well, you know, hey, the bullpen, they kept up their end of the bargain going into the postseason. They were ready. Nobody else was. And it just... Maybe that 
is something to put into that theory about five days off isn't a big deal to a, a uh, relief pitcher. Right. Because they'll go sometimes for a few days and not pitch mm-hmm. other than just, you know, warm ups or a bullpen session or something. Uh, so they're more they're they're more used to that than the everyday players are. Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it makes sense that they would be. I just don't I don't understand why with the players that the Dodgers have what happens in the postseason where they are so lackluster. We saw it last season when they played the Padres. And I think a good comparison is watching Trey Turner play in the postseason with the Dodgers and now playing in the postseason with the Phillies. It would be interesting to ask him what's different in the clubhouse, what's different in with this team versus the team that you were on with Freddie and Mookie and, you know, all these guys, you know, Will Smith and what's different. Why? That's a good question. Because there's, I've always felt like when they played the Padres, there was no, even in, even in the, uh, the, there's no sense of urgency when they play the Padres or the Diamondbacks. And I think that is where that familiarity comes from. The Padres, of course, they were in the postseason. Of course, their goal is to get to the World Series. They didn't get to the World Series, but they had done something. They had beat the Dodgers in the postseason. And that's like, oh, that's good. That's good enough for us, right? If, even if we don't get to the World Series, we still beat the Dodgers in the postseason. The Diamondbacks. Right. The same thing. We beat L.A. Every stadium in, with the exception of, I really haven't heard this at, with the Rockies beat L.A. Um, that, like, really getting, but there were flags with the Arizona Diamond, like the lo- logo that said beat L.A. That's a Giants thing, but it has filtered down to San Diego, now to Arizona, um, probably will be in Colorado. Uh, and that is the goal. It, I mean, and, and for the Dodgers, though, it doesn't matter because they played the Nationals and they they played better, but they still didn't win. So, but I think there is the, you get familiar with the teams and you're familiar with the Diamondbacks. You were familiar with the Padres. And too many people and probably the Dodgers themselves thought we beat them during the season. We can do it, but you know, but they didn't and you get too complacent and the Dodgers are complacent during the postseason. They have no, they have no energy. The dugout doesn't even seem to be like an, you know, like a normal regular season game. There's just, there's, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird dynamic and how it shifts. And, you know, we jokingly said, oh, maybe it's October, but maybe it really is the month of October. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I, I, that's the question is, is why, what is it that stops them from playing? I don't know. You know, even, they beat the they beat the Giants who who took the um, the National League West a couple seasons ago. They beat them, and then in the next game 
they couldn't do anything. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I still don't understand why. Well, and one of the things that's interesting is Andrew Friedman uh, recently had, I think just this week, had a press conference with Brandon Gomes, who is the general manager. And as you mentioned, you know, it's very hard. Very rarely are you going to hear Andrew Friedman say, you know, I didn't do this or I. But he said it's an organizational failure the last two postseasons, and I would even say beyond, but let's focus on this postseason and the last postseason. It's an organizational failure, but nothing's going to change in the organization. Obviously, Andrew Friedman's still going to be there. Brandon Gomes is still going to be there. Dave Roberts will be the manager next season. I don't know if you know, getting higher, firing Dave Roberts is the answer or a shakeup in the front office. Like I talked about last week, I don't know the answer, but I think it's interesting that someone says it's an organizational failure, but how are you fixing the organization? Getting starting pitching, which the Dodgers needed for the whole season is not going to fix your organization. Because you'll be right back in the postseason and we can see the same result, just different faces. Right. We'll talk more about that and uh, and more about that uh, the press conference and that stuff when we uh, when we finish up the season. we get to the league championship series talk about the Phillies versus the Diamondbacks and the Asterix versus the Rangers uh, let's talk about the, some other stuff I know you said you might have some uh, some wheel runners we'll talk about that in a second uh, in the meantime though on Wednesday the uh, gold or as you call them the golden glove uh, <laughs> finalist uh, for the Rawlings Golden Glove uh, or Gold Glove, see now I'm saying it too. Uh, it's our not to. Yeah, the uh, the Rawlings Gold Glove Award finalists, uh, all on there, and uh, the awards themselves will be uh, given out on ESPN on Sunday, November fifth, and that'll be at uh, seven thirty Eastern. There, Ooh, which will be their... nice because they whoever wins gets a gold glove and they got an extra night, of, uh, extra hour of sleep. Nice, that's right. <laughs> you got to fall back and then get an award, maybe, maybe. And guess what? Everybody's a winner because you got an extra hour of sleep. That's right. Yes, unless you live in Arizona. Yeah, and then it's just Tuesday. It's all the same. It doesn't. <laughs> It's not, it's just any other, any other day. Uh, all right. Um, so, uh, to determine the, uh, the, uh, to determine, why can't I say that? To determine the winners at the, uh, the nine standard positions, all 30 major league uh, managers and up to six coaches from each team vote from a pool of players in their league, excluding players from their own team. These votes comprise of 75% of selection total with the uh, Sabre defensive index counting for the other 25%. Uh, for the utility position, 
Rawlings collaborated with Sabre to create a specialized defensive formula to separate uh, or separate, sorry, from the traditional selection process. So let's uh, let's go through the American League finalist uh, at first base guy who's in the playoffs. Nathaniel Lowe. Nathaniel, don't call me Nate Lowe. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle from the Orioles. Oh, Lowe from, of course, the Rangers. And uh, Anthony Rizzo, even with a concussion, he still ends up as a finalist for a Golden Glove uh, or just a Gold Glove, for that matter. Uh, Rizzo's got four of them so far. And then um, Lowe has has never won one, uh, nor has Mountcastle. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that uh, Rizzo, you know, he played, when did he get that concussion back, like May? Yeah, and it was early played, on. Played through like two or three more months. July sometime. And then they were like, oh, you know, we got to put you on the IL. And then he ended up never, not coming back. But he still led the American League first baseman with plus six outs above average. Right. So that just shows <laughs> that he, you know, he was on top of it, even with playing through a concussion. He couldn't hit, but no. he could still play defense. Uh, second base, a guy who, you know, definitely took advantage of, uh, the time that he was given when tiny was out on, uh, uh, on the injured list, uh, Mauricio Dubon from Houston, uh, joined is joined by, uh, Andres, uh, Jimenez from the guardians and Marcus Simeon from the Rangers, uh, all there. Jimenez is the reigning AL gold glove winner at second base. And um, you talk about the plus six outs above average. His was uh, plus 18. Yeah. Of course, second basemen get more balls than first basemen do. So that's true. that's it. Simeon has uh, has won before at second base. And DeBone uh, actually is um, looking for his first one. Third base, Alex Bregman. Matt Chapman and Jose Ramirez, all guys who have uh, who have been finalists before. Matt Chapman is uh, is there. He's a three-time winner, and he's won the Platinum Glove twice. Uh, Bregman and Ramirez uh, have neither neither one of them have ever won a Gold Glove because Chapman's winning them all. Yeah, <laughs> they never get a chance. We move to shortstop. Well, we see, uh, you know, here's something that I'm noticing, too. Uh, a lot of these uh, Rangers are popping up here. Uh, and that tells you a lot about how defense plays and um, how, you know, how important defense is. I think we tend to forget about it sometimes. But uh, Corey Seager from the Rangers, uh, Carlos Correa from the Twins, and rookie Anthony Volpe. From the Yankees, he didn't hit well this season, but he definitely played some great defense there at shortstop for them. And you know what? This would be if Corey Seager uh, won a gold glove this year, it'd be his first one. Which is interesting because he's been solid shortstop even when he was with the Dodgers. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's move to the outfield. And left field, Austin Hayes from the Orioles, Stephen Kwan 
from the Guardians and Dalton Varsho from the Blue Jays. All finalists. Uh, Quan won it as a rookie last year. But uh, Varsho is somebody that uh, I've I've always kind of been high on. I don't think he's like, you know, a Hall of Famer kind of thing, but he's definitely a solid player. Um, And he was, uh, in fact, Varsho last year uh, was a finalist in the National League when he was with the D-backs. In right field. Right. (laughs) Completely opposite field. He'd be a first timer along with uh, Hayes if he if he were to win it. Uh, moved to center field, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer from the Blue Jays, Luis Robert Jr. from the White Sox, and Julio Rodriguez from Seattle. All and do, do uh, does the the missing ball trick where you act like you didn't catch it, but then you really did. Does that give you more points? It might, especially if it's a tie. You know, like oh, that's like all, the tiebreaker. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Uh, Kiermaier's got three gold gloves. Roberts got one, and um, Julio Rodriguez. This would be his first. And then uh, to finish up the outfield, once again, Texas players playing for the the American League Championship. Two of them in there: Adalas Garcia. And Kyle Tucker, two right fielders that are both uh, play great defense. And then uh, Doogie, Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox. Uh, he is uh, he's also a finalist there. Tucker won the gold glove last year. Uh, but really, when you if you watched any of the three of them play, it's anybody's. It's up for grabs. Um, Although... Um, Verdugo did lead AL right fielders with nine defensive runs saved this season. And that is a stat that I don't think a lot of people look at or because a lot of times it's all offense, but when you're an outfielder and you have, you know, that number, you know, nine defensive runs saved, that's a big deal. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's go back behind the plate. Catchers. Another guy in the playoffs. In fact, all three of these guys made it to the postseason. Jonah Heim from the Rangers. Alejandro Kirk from the Blue Jays. And Adley Rutschman from uh, the Orioles. You know what's kind of weird? Just an aside here. The, The Orioles have not lost a regular season series or been swept in a regular season series since Adley Rutschman join the team they had to wait till they got into the playoffs to be swept yeah they Uh, saved it for the biggest stage that's right uh so any of these guys will be a first time winner of a gold glove uh whoever whoever wins it and then you were talking about defensive run saves uh kirk alejandro kirk led all al catchers in drs with 17 you know pitchers this is one that I think um, is an important one as far as like picking up on on how good pitchers play defense. There's a lot of pitchers out there. They fall off the mound in weird ways, so they don't square up so that they can make a play on a ball wherever it is. There's just, you know, not all of them are, are in a good spot for that. So these guys have definitely shown that they can do that. Jose Berrios from Toronto, 
Sonny Gray, and his teammate Pablo Lopez, former Miami uh, Marlin. Uh, those guys, uh, both of them from uh, the uh, Twins, uh, are all uh, all on here as uh, finalists. All have been All Stars, um, and none of them have ever won a Gold Glove. Uh, Barrios was a finalist for a Gold Glove last year, but uh, that went to Bieber instead. And then finally, for the American League, uh, a chance for one guy to potentially win two. Ooh. And it could have uh, been a nicer guy. I don't know if he seems nice. I just like his smile. He does. He does seem like a nice guy. And that's Mauricio Dubon uh, from the Asterix, the only Honduran baseball player uh, in the uh, major leagues. And uh, he's got second base and utility uh, player. And will uh, uh, this would be his first uh, gold glove should he win that. A guy we both like. Zach McKinstry uh, from the uh, Detroit Tigers, former Dodger. He's uh, he's played all over. He played 20 games at uh, more than 20 games at third base. He played second base. He played shortstop. He played right and left field uh, for the Tigers. He's like the Chris Taylor for the Tigers. Yeah, because they, the Dodgers already had a Chris Taylor, so they – they're like, sorry, Zach, you got to go. Yeah, yeah, we we, <laughs> we already have we one of do, you. Couldn't do two of you. And then Taylor Walls from uh, Tampa Bay, also with the utility. And any of those guys winning will be their very first gold glove. So that gives you the American Leaguers. Let's move to the National League. First baseman. All right. A name. That you always want in that situation. No, Freddie <laughs> Freeman, Carlos Santana, and Christian Walker. So Walker won last year. So he would, uh, this could be a back-to-back. -back. That's what he's hoping for. He led all first basemen with plus 12 outs above average. Uh, and Santana was just at 11. But do you know that Carlos Santana has never won a gold glove? I do now. Yeah. Uh, of course, Freeman has won before. He won in 2018. Second base, Nico Horner of the Chicago Cubs, Hassan Kim of San Diego, and Bryson Stott, Philadelphia. Once again, what? Getting overlooked for the... Uh... Second base gold glove. Well, and all three of these players moved to second base. They had pre, I think Hassan Kim was playing shortstop before. Um, well, last year he took over at shortstop because Fernando Tatis had right. ringworm. <laughs> and, um, and couldn't play. Mm -hmm. And then, so he took over there. And then during the off season, the Dregs went and got Xander Bogarts, right. who's an all-star shortstop. Mm -hmm. So Ha Sung Kim moves to second, and and he's Bryson's. Yeah, and I know he and he's I, he's fun. I think he's fun to watch uh, to play. And then uh, don't they have like that chant when he gets up? They're, they're like Ha Sung, or you know, in San Diego, they got a thing going just for him. Well, and he deserves it. He's he's yeah. been 
he's been, you know, he's probably the team's uh, MVP down there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and then Dansby Swanson signed with the Cubs. And so Nico Horner had to move over. And the same thing with the Phillies. Bryson Stott moved over because of Trey Turner. Right. That's right. So this will be, that'll be an interesting one to see three guys that all shifted positions, but are now uh, in the running for a gold glove. So it looks like uh, good moves on their part. <laughs> yeah, and by definitely. the team, the team as well what made a good point. There are good, uh, uh, you know, when they moved them over there, they they did the right thing. Yeah. Third base, Cabrian Hayes of Pittsburgh, Ryan McMahon of Colorado, and Austin Riley of Atlanta. And did you notice there's a name missing from that list for the first time in, like in 10 how years? Long? 10 years, almost Dodger third baseman, Nolan Arenado. Yes, Nolan Arenado. He won the award in each of the past 10 years, but he is not among the finalists in 2023. Did not have a great season. Cardinals did not overall, did not have a great season. Uh, Hayes is plus 17 outs above average, 21 Defensive run saves. And then uh, McMahon. Uh, and this is a guy, in, uh, Ryan, in uh, Colorado the, with the Rockies. I think a lot of times you don't look at teams like the Rockies because they are usually in the bottom of the of their division and they're not playing well. But it's nice to see these guys are being recognized for their defensive play. And then, of course, Riley. Uh, you know, he has nine defensive runs saved, but no outs above average. So he's just. Yeah, he's just just, soft, there. You know, just there. He's at average. Yeah. And they're all in the running. All three of the, these guys, it would be their first career gold glove. All right, let's move to shortstop. And we have Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets. Dansby Swanson of the Cubs. And Ezekiel Tovar of the Rockies. Of course, Lindor has two gold gloves in his career, but he hasn't won one since 2019 when he was with Cleveland. Uh, Dansby Swanson won gold glove last year. And uh, Tovar, of course, he, this would be his first win. So let's go back to second base for a second. Yeah. Just to illustrate a point here, all the second basemen moved from shortstop to second base to make way for a shortstop. Of those three, only one shortstop is on this list that displaced, and that's Dansby Swanson. He pushed Nico Horner out of shortstop role, but Trey Turner didn't. Xander Bogarts didn't. Get end up here. Only Dansby Swanson is a Gold Glove uh, finalist of those three. From those three that had to move. Yeah. So maybe I mean it's cool that they all made it. Maybe second base. Maybe they wouldn't have been 
the second baseman wouldn't have been there if they were shortstops, but I don't know. Yeah, and Ezekiel uh, Tovar of the Rockies, he's a rookie, um, and he uh, finished with a plus 16 outs above average. Lindor was plus six, and of course, Dansby Swanson, plus 20. He led all major leaguers, not just his uh, National League, but all of them. And that probably helped the Cubs until they kind of fell apart late in the season. They were making a push, and who knows, maybe next year they'll be able to put it all together. Um, One thing that's interesting, too, out of all of this is recently I was listening to something, I I think it was like on uh, MLB radio, and they were talking about the the rules the all the rules changes for this season and how they you know there was a lot of talk will those rules apply to the postseason and i think we talked about it briefly about what we thought about it they're talking one of the things that they were curious about was how the shift what was the the overall play in the shift and of course the with the shift uh it's odd because the just as an aside here, till I get to the long way to my by bloviate my way to the point here, <laughs> is that left-handed batting averages went up, which was expected. That's what they kind of wanted because now you weren't putting a plug in to that spot uh, between first and second for for them to pull, but right-handers their batting averages went down about the same overall as the left-handers went up. But uh, a lot of players were like, well, what am I going to do? You know, this changes everything. Francisco Lindor says, oh, good. Now I can finally get back to playing shortstop. (laughs) Because it really did. By moving people over, he was never right in that shortstop. The reason everybody wanted to play shortstop is because at no other position do you get the volume of potential spectacular plays diving to get a ball right deep deep in the hole i mean you know at third base you can get a line drive shot that you can you know you can play you know catch it down the line or whatever there's options but nothing like what shortstop gets and uh and he wanted to get back to that so he was happy with it and you know, even though the analytics departments were not, the players were. And isn't that part of the excitement of baseball is some of those plays? Oh, yeah. You want to have those or that make the real. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Left field. Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs. David Peralta of the Dodgers. And Eddie Rosario of Atlanta. So Happ didn't have a permanent position, but he did this year. He found, or actually it was last year, um, found it in left field and he ended up winning his first gold glove last season. Um, he is tied for third among outfielders with 12 assists. He posted two defensive runs uh, saved and he could maybe, you know, be a back-to-back winner. David Peralta, seven defensive runs saved, is also, this would be his second if he wins his second career gold glove. And Rosario, who had three defensive run saves, would be a first-time winner. And that, they're pretty, I mean, 
Hap had 12 assists and two defensive runs saved. Um, but it looks, as far as defensive runs saved, the Peralta, you know, is the top there. But we'd have to go back to assist and all the other matrix or metrics, not matrix. <laughs> Going in the matrix, the metrics that they Keanu uh, Reeve. Yes. Is up for all of the gloves. <laughs> he played all the positions. He gets all of in them. In the matrix. In the matrix. Center field, Britton Doyle of Colorado. Michael Harris II, not a surprise there, of Atlanta. And Alec Thomas of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Doyle came on to, you know, came into the season quickly became one of the uh, really good defenders. If you haven't watched a lot of Rockies games, uh, which I haven't because I can't. Um, but in the highlight, you were supposed to be because there you live in their region. You right. should be able to get local TV feeds of the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, apparently. Yeah, no lies. It's all lies. Honestly, the, Rob the way Manfred it's sets is, on a throne of lies. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Skippy. All right, so uh, Britton Doyle led all players in fielding run value metric, which is plus twenty-one, and then um, Michael Harris is second. He was rookie of the year last year. And then Alec Thomas, they would be, all of them would be first-time Gold Glove Award winners if they win. And then we head over to right field. We have Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Lane Thomas of the Nationals. Of course, we know Fernando Tatis moved from shortstop to right field. Maybe this was where he really was supposed to play. He was supposed to play in the outfield and not uh, shortstop. Uh, he uh, was tied for first among right fielders in fielding run value of plus 12. He ranked second among all outfielders in defensive run save, 27. And he tied for third with 12 assists. Um, only uh, Nolan Jones of Colorado and Elaine Al- Thomas of the Nationals had more outfield assists. Uh, Tatis and Lane Thomas, of course, if they won, it would be their first one. And if Betts wins, it would be Mookie's seventh. We head to behind the plate with the catcher. You got Patrick Bailey of San Francisco, uh, Gabriel Moreno of Arizona, and JT Riamuto of Philadelphia. This How many be, does JT have? If he were to win, he has one. So, and he Only won one? last year. Yeah, only one. Wow. And oh no, I'm sorry. He has two, but this would be his. It would be back to back for him. So he, it's his second straight Gold Glove and his third overall. Sorry. If he wins it, yeah. If okay. he wins it, Patrick Bailey is a rookie. Um, he led all catchers and ranked second overall with a fielding run value of plus eighteen, plus a a plus 18 from pitch framing and then Marino excelled. Um, you know, he controlled the running game and, uh, this was his first full season, uh, catching. Also, he had an ML, uh, major league best plus nine caught stealings above average. Oh, wow. 
And then for pitcher, Jesus Luzardo of Miami, Taiwan Walker of Philadelphia, and Zach Wheeler of Philadelphia. So two Phillies and a Marlin. And, of course, uh, Zach Grinke has won six straight gold gloves from 2014 to 2019. And then it was Max Freed who won it for the past three years. But because Max Freed had injuries, he had Recently, you know, we had the blister. Um, it looks like we will have a new gold glove on the mound uh, between those three. And then this one's an interesting one because we see some two familiar names in the utility spot. Mookie Betts, Tommy Edmond of St. Louis, and Hassan Kim. Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts played 70 games at second base, 16 at shortstop. Um, in addition to his 107 games that he played in right field, he finished with 10 defensive runs saved. Um, Edmund, the 2021 National League Gold Glove Award winner at second base, also um, was versatile this year, and he produced plus 10 outs above average. And then, as we mentioned, um, Hassan Kim is a finalist for second base, um, but he also played 32 games at third, 20 at short, and 106 at second. And he finished with also with a plus 10 outs above average. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Once again, November 5th is when we will find that out. So the following week, we will share who the winners were along with, uh, at that point, we it's going to depend on how uh, things go with the World Series. If it goes all the way out, we'll probably just be talking about the end of the World Series. Then uh, all the other awards that um, honestly, I'm beginning to feel like don't mean anything if uh, you don't get into the postseason and do something with it. Um, I mean, it's all nice and fun, but, you know, in the end, it's about winning championships. But we'll talk about all those awards um, when uh, towards the uh, the middle of November, like, uh, you know, the MVP and all of that stuff. Uh, before we're, uh, we're heading towards talking about the uh, League Championship Series, before we get there, big news out of Miami, Kim Ng, uh, who has been, a, uh, has been building a team down there, the first woman general manager in Major League Baseball or any men's professional sports, uh, has resigned. She's uh, bailed out of there uh, simply because they wanted to put somebody over her. Or that's part of the story. Um, it just, you know, here she goes and builds a a team that makes it to the playoffs. Could continue to build on. Honestly, from what I hear is she really wanted to get uh, Justin Turner instead of Gene Segura. Yeah, she was she was all in on on JT. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's like you said, there's a couple of reasons the owner wanted Bruce Sherman wanted to install a president of baseball operations, which would be over um, Kim Ng. And also he wanted to pick up the team's half of a mutual option rather than offer her an extension, which I think she deserves an extension. This is the first time that Miami has been they made the postseason in a full season since 2003. 
Right. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. She built a, a pretty good team there and made some of the right moves. You're not going to always make all the right moves. Andrew Friedman can attest to that. In fact, a lot of GMs who have been successful overall can attest to that. So the question is, where could she end up? Could she end up in Boston? Maybe. Kind Bloom, no longer there. Who else? I think it's time for Artie to fire Perry, let him out of that last season and bring in Kim Ng. But Kim Ng would then still have to answer to a president of baseball operations and uh, John Carpino. So I don't know. At some point you get, you know, depending on where you want to go, I think she might be, I, honestly, maybe I don't want her here until Artie's gone because you want somebody that can, is going to be able to do their job and he's not going to let her do uh, her job or anybody else for that matter. So that would be the, the deal. Whatever happens, um, you know, we hope she's uh, she she's done a good job and she knows her baseball. So we'll see that. The other thing that was interesting when we talk about women in baseball, uh, uh, what's her name? Alyssa Nacken, Nacken, yeah, uh, who's been a uh, a coach with the uh, the Giants, interviewed for their uh, manager's job, and I don't know. I'm not seeing a lot of positive uh, response to that. Yeah, me either. But I mean, we know there are some uh, female managers, I think at least, what, two that I know of in the um, in the minor leagues. But they're yeah, like, the Yankees you know, have the Yankees had the first one. Right. Uh, at uh, one of their teams in Florida, like low A team or whatever. And I don't remember the other one. But and then uh, Alyssa Nacken was the first woman to be a coach at the major league level. She was even first base coach uh, at some point during the season filling in. So who's going to take over for Kapler? Is it going to be, uh, be that kid that got out of the stands? Right. That's supposedly mini their, me. their, their bench coach that his hat's too big. I can't even remember yeah. his name. Correa Ka- or something. Yeah. Kai, Kai Correa. Kai something. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't look like, he does look like he's a computer nerd, you know, yeah. that, uh, he's an analytics guy, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he did play baseball, so we got to, but I'm sure he's, he's probably interviewing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised though, if, if she's close that they wouldn't potentially give it to her just for the optics of it. And then she can be the one along with, uh, Farhan Zaidi to deal with the players that end up on the wheel. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we haven't had the will vial in a couple of weeks. We haven't. But there were there are some that we need to mention with Brandon Woodruff who had shoulder surgery and it looks like he could miss most of next season. So that could be a blow for the Brewers, but he hasn't really been pitching, so I don't know how much it will be um you know, we'll hurt them, but we'll see. And uh, Byron Buxton, he went underwent orthoscopic knee surgery, and of uh, the of the twins, saw him in the dugout, but he he didn't play. And Alex Kurloff is undergoing; it will be undergoing labrum surgery. So they are all on the wheel, along with Sandy Alcantara, who. Had Tommy John surgery. Right. 
no uh, no complete games for him next season. No, and I'm waiting to see what's going on with Clayton Kershaw. He did say after the uh, after the division series that he would probably you know go get the shoulder checked out, maybe get a second opinion. But we really don't know what the first opinion was. Uh, if he has. If he has to have surgery, uh, then it would look like he probably would be out probably most of the season. And I could see if that was if that happened that maybe he would just retire, but maybe not. So, but we haven't heard anything. Uh, maybe his shoulder's okay. Uh, I did see that he was uh, somebody was at the Texas State Fair and got a picture with him. He must have been out and about. So that's where he was. And who knows? Maybe he's at, hanging out at the grill, too. Incognito. Know. Just, like, uh, just lives like about five miles away. I remember something like that uh, yeah, so, was, was the deal. So those were ones that I definitely wanted to mention because they're not there. Like I said, those are guys that could uh, we know um like with Alcantara, we'll miss the 2024 season. Woodruff, uh, Buxton, and uh, Kurloff, you know, they might, should hopefully um, for their teams will be ready by spring training, but we'll see. championship series has uh, has started up and here's one thing to know about uh about the league championship series is that um with the national league whoever wins this will still be going to the american league champions ballpark because neither of the teams uh, neither the phillies nor the diamondbacks uh, have a better record than either Houston or uh, the Rangers. So, uh, but let's go game one, Phillies and Diamondbacks. Uh, Zach Gallon on the hill. Can he repeat what he did versus the Dodgers? And he's pitching against another Zach. One with a K, one without. Um, Zach Wheeler, who has been fantastic during the postseason as well. Um going up uh, against a, a strong Diamondbacks team. Could they do anything? Well, I number one, you're going to Philly. And unlike, and this was something that was brought up, unlike a lot of stadiums where the game starts at, you know, five o'clock or even seven o'clock, whatever, people are just getting there. They're still... Um, there's still open seats in Philadelphia. They've already been there for an hour and a half. Yes, they are. <laughs> they are waiting, chomping and at the bit. It's full and ready to go. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about something that, uh, that once again, bulletin board material coming from an opposite, uh, you know, an opponent, uh, player. And we'll talk about that for game two, but in this one, Zach Gallen got a warm Philly welcome when uh, he gave up a home run to Kyle Schwarber to start off the game. First pitch. 
And it was kind of like when the Dodgers and the the D-backs were playing where the Dodgers hadn't even got all nine of their players up. Right, and, yeah. And Tommy Pham had already been up three times with three singles. Uh, the They had already, everybody uh, on the Phillies had been on base at least once before the bottom part of um, the Diamondbacks uh, order even got on base. Guy even came to bat. So while at the end of the game, the D-backs did make it a little more interesting, uh, they just they couldn't put it all together, and the uh, the Phillies would win this one, five to three. Um, another former Dodger who's been playing well this season, Craig Kimbrell, would get the uh, the save there. Um, uh, one of the pitchers for the uh, for the Phillies, it always every time they mention him, I have to kind of laugh, and uh, that's Dominguez, one of their relievers. You know what his first name is, right? Trying to think what it is. Uh, I don't. It's not coming to me. He's like, uh, he's been knighted. Sir Anthony. Oh, that's right. Yes. Sir Anthony. Now, that's just his name. S-E-R-A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. Dominguez. Sir Anthony Dominguez. But every time they say that, I'm like, is he British? What's going on? Did he get knighted? (laughs) What? uh, Did I miss something? Anyway, uh, so they, you know, they pitched, they played well against it, but they came out and just hit them hard well, right to start. I think I uh, texted you and said, is Lance Lynn on the mound? Right. Because it was Schwarber and then Harper, uh, Harper and then an inning later, it was Nick Castellanos and uh, Harper, it was his birthday that that day, that night, and he was 31, so he uh, held up three fingers and a one finger and blew the candles out as he crossed the, the plate. Always, the, for like I said, he's from Las Vegas. He has a flair for the dramatic. And uh, he said somebody asked him about it, and he said, sometimes I just do stuff. Sometimes. And, so- uh, and Castellanos has homered five times in his past. He had homered five times in his past three games. Reggie Jackson in the 1977 World Series. Those two players are the only two players with five home runs in a three-game span in a single postseason. Good company to keep. Yep. Mr. October. Uh, He may have to give up his mantle or share it the way that uh, way it's looking. Another guy who's been doing well in the postseason and another former Dodger, we talked about him a little bit earlier, Trey Turner. When you look at a list of players who have three or more home runs, have stolen four or more bases, and hit five or more doubles, Trey Turner is not only on that list, he is the list. That's nobody it. else. That's the thing. All these all these things have been coming up this season where nobody else has ever done it before. You know, Castellanos, multi-homer games. Back to back, uh, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, a lot of people, you know, when Bryce Harper and uh, Mike Trout kind of came up at about the same time. In fact, we talked not long ago about Rob Manfred kind of dissing uh, Mike Trout not being as marketable. Bryce Harper was that guy. But I've seen that since Bryce Harper left Washington, 
he's kind of become more part of the Phillies and less part of Bryce Harper. Sure, flair for the dramatic at times, but he does it all within the um, – he's a guy I think I'd rather have Bryce Harper in this situation yeah. than I would Mike <laughs> Trout. And it's not yeah. to take away from Mike Trout. It's that Bryce Harper's been in these situations and he's done something with it. It's not Mike Trout's fault completely that he's not ever made it to a World Series or even that deep into the playoffs. But Bryce Harper, look at this. I don't see – I see Bryce Harper have Tommy John surgery and come back and learn how to play a whole different position just so that he can be there and play. I haven't seen that from Mike Trout. Um, you know, I don't know how any – you know, how, but I, I see a desire in one – that I don't really see in the other one anymore. And I wonder if it's where he plays. It could be. Yeah. And yeah. we'll talk about that more later, but I wanted to get it in. Bryce Harper has become uh, really uh, the player. He didn't take the path that I think we all thought, but he's definitely become that perennial MVP candidate kind of player. And to me, an MVP or a team leader is somebody that does that. Where do you need me to go play? I'll learn how to play first base so that I can play right away and contribute if that's where you need me. If it makes the team better, that's where I'll go. And that's uh, that's what's worked out. Um, you know, uh, same thing. Brandon Marsh, Captain Caveman, center fielder, great center fielder, moved to left, has become even a better left fielder for a rookie. Yeah who's been fantastic out there in the outfield, made a great play in, uh, in game two, uh, you know, getting back and, and making a catch. So they just, the, the Phillies seem more than any other team seem like more of a team of, uh, not even just destiny, a, a team that was built for the postseason. Oh yeah. I, I really think that they, and I, I mentioned this last week. I'm sure that Philadelphia, and but maybe not after now where they are, uh, to win the division. To say, yeah, we won. We were the top of the East, and we won it. Uh, but would they be the same team if they win the division and they're not that wild card? Because I really feel like that's their, that's what, like, juices them up that's what gets them going like we're we didn't make you know we couldn't we didn't beat the Braves they won the division but we're here and they are built for the postseason so I was talking to and somebody underdogs yeah and I was talking to somebody today who is from Philadelphia and I was like hey what about those Phillies and he's like yeah um you know he's talking about you know the game and and I said, yeah, I'm rooting for the Phillies. I said, because during the regular season, I root for the Dodgers. But in the postseason, I root for the Phillies because the Dodgers never make it and out of where they, you know, any further. Yeah, they, they don't even get a chance to uh, to meet up with the Phillies. No. So which that's, they, at um, this point, we don't want them to. <laughs> so so we go to game two. And yeah, exactly. And you know what we talked about last week about reseeding. If they had done the reseeding, the Dodgers would have played the Phillies mm -hmm. and the Braves would have had the Diamondbacks. Who's to say the Dodgers probably would have been the same, but who's to say what would have happened in Atlanta 
um, you know, with the D backs. Right. We, we don't, I mean, obviously we don't know how that would have played, but, uh, anyway, uh, we go to game two at citizens bank ballpark. Of course, this is the last game before they head to Arizona, uh, in this series, uh, Phillies, uh, going, uh, sending Aaron Nola to the mound who Aaron Nola, not only is he trying to win a world series, he's also putting himself out there on display because he is a free agent next year. And his name, like every other free agent pitcher of any note, Blake Snell, um, are on the Dodgers uh, radar. Of and, course, uh, as they should be. And uh, and hopefully they actually do something with this. But uh, those guys come out. Aaron Nola, once again, pitching well in the uh, in the offseason. Merrill Kelly, we talked about what a great outing he had against the Dodgers. Um, starts off good. But let's go to our bulletin board fodder. Uh, when asked about the noise, Merrill Kelly said, I don't know. I've never, you know, but I can't imagine it would be louder than it was in the game against uh, during the World Baseball Classic, the game against Venezuela. And uh, and two things when you think about it. Number one, they were in Florida and they were in a dome stadium. So in Miami there. So the loud's going to be different than in an outside stadium. Number two, they said that uh, it was almost half and half, the crowd for the U.S. versus the crowd for uh, rooting for Venezuela. So they, you know, it got loud, but you're in Philly and anywhere you go, your whole team, everybody there with you know what a handful of people maybe that are voting that are voting for rooting for your team <laughs> right everybody's gonna be phillies fans right and they and as we've mentioned they don't sit down and they are active participants they put themselves into the game they make themselves part of the game and it's not just the offense it's on defense too and they are loud in fact I think it was last year and probably we'll find out this year too, but University of Pennsylvania has a, a Richter scale and the Richter scale was going off um, during some of those postseason games last year. I can imagine they were the past, uh, you know, the, the last two games. Um, so it's, it's loud. And I have been to the pit at the University of New Mexico to watch Lobo basketball and they get up to, you know, 80, 90 decibels, a hundred in that, in that pit, uh, cause it's in the ground. Um, and the Phillies were Phillies fans were at 110 in this second game. Wow. So Merrill Kelly got from the time that he was out warming up, he got an earful. He seemed to hold his composure overall. He did go five and two thirds, uh, gave up three hits, four runs. Once again, the home run, they, they've been the, watching the Lance Lynn tape of uh, uh, how to pitch. Yep. Uh, Trey starts off his first at bat with a home run. Kyle Schwarber, who's going to have a ton of leadoff home runs in this uh it seems like he's going to have a lot of home runs. Yeah, JT uh, Riamuto said his favorite part of the, one of his favorite things about the game 
is first pitch to Schwarber. And uh, Schwarber actually has two in uh, in the game in game two. Uh, overall, I mean, they were they were busy. The home runs there. Uh, Trey Turner with a home run, but it it was uh, you know they only scored two runs through three innings, and then uh, nobody scored anything. The the D backs. Uh, you know, we get to uh, the bottom of the six. It's still just two to nothing. It's not out of control yet. Yet. Right. Yeah. That's well, the that's operative word. Things went off the rail for. Uh, for the uh, for the D backs, uh, Kyle Schwarber hit a home run and then it was Trey Turner with a walk. Um, Bryson Stott with a single. Um, Stott steals second base Turner's at third at that point Here's a double Turner and Scott Score Brandon Marsh Doubles to left Scoring uh, Real Muto and Castellanos Castellanos was intentionally walked Good move I think um, yeah. And then And then again the very next inning More home run I mean um, more runs scored uh, you know, single to Bryce Harper. He ends up coming around to score. Uh, Schwarber had walked. He comes around to score. Uh, Bohm scores uh, on a JT Romuto single. It just, you know, Stott had gotten on base. He ends up scoring on a sacrifice fly. And uh, in the end, something that had not happened in 46 Diamondback playoff games. Shut out. Yep. And that would be it for them. Of course, they're not out of it yet. They still have to lose two more before they're out. Yeah. And they get to go back home. We don't know if the the Chase Field has not ever seemed like a solid uh, you know, home field advantage like Philly is, like Atlanta is. Even Dodger Stadium can be yeah. that way. You know, these are places where the fans are crazy about their team. And you got to do stuff like the Diamondbacks need to get out and uh, and beat up on the Phillies like 10 to nothing. Get the fans going. They need to do that in Philly, though, to shut them up. But they yeah. need to come out and play well. I'm I'm just saying, you know, if you want to quiet the crowd down, you have to to give them a reason to lose hope. Yeah. And in Arizona. When the Dodgers were playing, obvious there's always a lot of Dodger fans at the uh, at the games, and there there were I didn't it just didn't seem like there were as many at the game in in Arizona when the Dodgers played. Uh, not the same ruckus, you know, raucous crowd that normally is there um, because they were overshadowed. You know, they had already they were down two to nothing, but I would be interesting to see the makeup of the crowd in Arizona, just because a lot of people moved to Arizona for, to, you know, the warmer climbs of air, the surface of the sun, because it's warm there all the time. It's warm here. I know, but I can tell you why people leave California and go to Arizona economics. Oh yeah. It's a lot cheaper to live there than it is but, here. Philadelphia, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, there's a people oh, that Philadelphia, move. Yeah. Right. That's like coming here. There's yeah. so many people that move west from colder places. Right. Yeah. I got 
Yeah, so it would be, I, I'm interested to see, you know, who, because you see that at Dodger Stadium, too. There's a lot of people who moved to California from other places. You always see, you know, the, you know, people. Um, there is rooting. a fan from every single sports team. Yeah. And I, and I mean this every, not just baseball, mm-hmm. football, basketball, college, any of them. Yeah. You go to a game here. There's people who live here, not people just happening to visit because their favorite team's here. They live here, mm-hmm. and they'll go see that team play when they come to town. I'm a Titans yeah. fan. The Titans have come the last two years to play the Rams and the Chargers. Who did I go see play? The Titans. The Titans, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, so, at this point, uh, Philly's up 2 to nothing. They don't seem like they can be stopped. We'll see if a day off does that question will be if they do sweep what happens in the other series do they sweep is it a is it a sweep by by one of them or if not will the the gap because when do we say uh the uh world series starts october 27th and uh today's the 19th yep so potentially uh you figure that's a the travel day today if uh, Philly were to sweep, they would be done on Friday, which is what? 20th? 20th. So the 20th, and they've got to wait seven days mm-hmm. before they play another game or six full days off and then right. or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to end up having a long time. So who's to say if both both of these, uh, you know, uh, sweep, we can have a long layoff and see that's the thing with all the long layoffs and so many days without baseball that we've had in between. I kind of started to forget we still have baseball season because I don't have a full rooting interest right. in any particular other than the games. But it's like, well, oh, and oh that's would, right. There's still baseball going on. You would think that Major League Baseball would be smarter and say, okay, you know, it's kind of that board, you know, or the the chart. If this happens, you know, if this the team sweeps and this team, I mean, you have to, you know, but you, you got to play it out. If it's both and of then them, yeah. you could write, then you move it up. Because in this case, if it, if, if there is a sweep and, you know, depending on the other, because they're both. Uh, Phillies up, Rangers are up both two and zero. Oh. Um, then you're sitting there. Of course, baseball fans are going to watch the World Series, but what about the other people? You know, they're going to oh, the World Series. I I thought I thought baseball was over, right? Because you're not going to hear anything. I mean, you're going to be unless you're following. Right? Yeah, it's too long of a gap. So definitely the scheduling. For the postseason this year was not I I have there I needs don't to like be it. a contingency yeah as to I get why they schedule it out so far because what if one series does go sure but in this case there needs to be oh this series is now over potentially on Friday mm-hmm. now we're gonna wait for a week it's not like the Super Bowl where you're two weeks off 
right. before the Super Bowl or a week between games. You need to be able to move that up and say, just like you said, a flow chart. If A, go this way. If B, go this way. If both teams are ready, are, have, are, are done, they've won their series, then um, and, and the, the matchup set, then go start them on Tuesday. Yeah. Let's keep it going. So that way you're not, you're not going to, you're not earning, you're not making any extra money during that week that they're off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. potentially it could lead to a really bad series because both teams could come out of it rusty. Right. And the teams have been, uh, playing these two teams in particular, if this is the way it ends up, uh, they were wild cards. Right. And so they've been playing and they haven't had anything. So we'll see. I mean, I, we don't know I'll obviously who the, who will be going, but, uh, yeah, there's just lots of different little, little things there that I think, Major League Baseball just needs to tighten things up, and they really do. Uh, Rob Manfred came out and said, you know, he didn't really see anything wrong with the the format, and I don't know if he meant the way, you know, with the wild card and all that, but he he did say, well, we always, you know, after it's over, we always go back and look and say, okay, this worked and this didn't work. What didn't work is this format where it was one game, no game, one game, you know, and then you have, uh, it just, yeah, that was in the, um, especially in the division series. Speaking of the other teams, let's take a look at what's, uh, what's going on with, uh, Houston and the Rangers. Attaboy Harper. Attaboy Harper. So the American league championship series comes down to two teams that battled it out during the regular season. Ended up with identical records, 90 and 72. Question is, who's going to walk away with the American League title? Will it be the Rangers or will it be the Asterix? Well, one thing that we've learned about the Asterix, they haven't been great at home over this last season. Yeah, not so good. There's a leak at the juice box. There's a oh, leak. There's a leak. Or you know what? The juice box, you know, the Capri Suns, uh-huh. and you got to stab the straw into them. Right. It doesn't like there's no, you, there's nothing it there. It doesn't go in or they're hitting it, but it's going through without getting down into the juice. It's going <laughs> skewering right. the, oh, okay. That's what's happening. <laughs> so the question is, can the Rangers continue on? They've uh, they've they've played uh, five games and are five and zero, oh, sweeping uh, sweeping both the wild card series and the division series, eliminating uh, the Orioles. Uh, to my chagrin, can they do the same thing to Houston and walk away with uh, with this and and sweep them, or will Houston? I mean, Houston's got a great team. I would say that uh, that they're a, a pretty good. Um, I think odds wise, they're like at the top of the uh, the odds makers list for uh, to win the World Series this year. Right. So, 
let's uh, take a look at game one uh, there at Minute Maid Park. Jordan Montgomery starting for the Rangers. Justin Verlander for the uh, the Asterisks. Not a lot of uh, def- I mean, offense happening in this game. Only two runs scored. And they were not scored by the Asterisks. No, it was the Rangers, which is interesting because the Rangers, when they played in Houston, have gone eight and thirty-two since this is since 2019. Eight and thirty-two with a minus sixty-five run differential when playing the Astros at Minute Maid Park. And this year the two clubs split the series in Houston. So yeah, like, which kind of talks about how Houston just didn't play well at Yeah. Um, but Jordan Montgomery's on the mound for the Rangers, and he had better stuff than Justin Verlander. They both they both threw about the same amount of innings. Actually, uh, Justin threw a third of an inning more. But uh, while he gave up uh, six hits and two runs, struck out five, gave up one home run. Jordan Montgomery only went six and a third, but he only gave up five hits. Struck out six, gave up no home runs because, like, we said, and no extra base nothing. hits, nothing. Nope, he didn't know hit him, he gave up, you know, five hits, but that was it. And then three over three, um, three relievers, nobody got another hit. Uh, only one spores, uh, walked one guy, but Chapman and Leclerc didn't walk anybody. And uh, and the asterisks go down in game one, even with their ace on the hill and Verlander. Uh, they just uh, they just couldn't get anything going. Smattering of hits between uh, Bregman and Abreu. Um, Mauricio Dubon. It was a home run from Leota Tavares. Uh, that uh, that was like the big thing. The other uh, the other run was uh, scored by Jonah Heim. So, you know, kind of what you expect, a a pitcher's duel between two of the top pitchers for these teams. Um, You know, uh, Jordan Montgomery threw 90 pitches to 101 by Justin Verlander. It was uh, it wasn't bad. You know, as far as that goes, they just for whatever reason, this asterisk just couldn't put any runs on the board uh, and uh, and they lose that first one. So uh, game two, next day, still at the juke the jukebox. Ju- I keep <laughs> can't ever get that right. The juice box at Minute Maid Park in Houston at the Astrodome. That's right. <laughs> That'll fix it right there. Uh, in this game, things started off a little bit differently, and once again. You would think that the the asterisks have the upper hand because they're throwing Framber Valdez. Right. And anytime he is on the mound, they always seem to do well. But uh, maybe mm. lost a little luster. Maybe, maybe it's the playoff thing. Although he pitched well last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Nathan Evaldi, who's uh, you know coming off of, uh, of being on the IL and issues like that during the end of the season, there he uh, he gets the start 
and what what really happened here is is that the uh, the Rangers didn't fool around. They came out, led off with two singles, one by Marcus Simeon, one by Corey Seager, and then Robbie Grossman. Eh, he just got on on an error, pitcher uh, pitcher throwing error, and uh, they uh, everybody moves up, and then Adalis Garcia with just a lousy single. That's all you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Simeon had scored from the uh, from the error uh, before that, and then uh, Adalis Garcia drives in Seager. Robbie Grossman goes to third. And you see where we're going here. Next thing you know, it's four to nothing, Rangers. And that's where it's going to stay for a couple of innings. Okay, one inning. <laughs> In the bottom of the second, actually, uh, Jordan Alvarez takes uh, Evaldi deep. And then that's pretty much where it stays. Top of the third. The Rangers get that run back, make it five to four. And um, and then two more runs would be scored uh, or sorry, three more runs. The Rangers were done scoring, but uh, one in the fourth, one in the sixth and one in the eighth would get the asterisks within one run. But that was as close as they would get. And the Rangers take both on the road. Yeah, both on the road. Um, yeah, and this was a bet out of you know with the postseason games. Uh, this was a good, this was a good game. Trying to you know, the uh, Astros were chipping away, trying to anyway, but just came up came up short. Yeah, they just uh, there was so the, these two teams know each other, but and they're trying to you know the Rangers have looked kind of like a team of destiny. By the way, that. I mean, I don't think anybody thought they were going to get to this point because they kind of collapsed in the last week. Right. They And on the last day of the season, they still could have been this. This could have started out in Arlington instead of in Houston. Had they played to win. On that last series up in Seattle, but they didn't. But they're still here in the championship series, so. Does it matter? No. I guess not, because the teams that you thought were going to be here, other than Houston, are gone. Yep. Yeah. What did you tell me the other day? Did you text me? Oh, I said the teams that had a bye seemed to say bye-bye to the postseason. Yep, that's exactly it. The bye led to bye-bye for those teams. <laughs> anyway, so uh, they they bail out of uh, of Houston. They didn't need a travel day, but they got one anyway. I know. I thought that was funny because it really, <laughs> you get a full travel day. Why can't you just go and then you play that night? Right. Exactly. Have one of those like home and home double header kind of things. Yeah. Same day. Why not? Yeah. Come on. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. So in the day off where we find out 
or maybe even before, but I remember specifically thinking about it in the day off, that Max Scherzer, who was added, he and John Gray both added to the, um, they've both been on the uh, IL. Uh, Scherzer for over a month thought he was done for the season completely added to the playoff roster. Ooh, will it the bode min- well for the, the minute Rangers? I heard that? I thought no. I always think no. Um, right. Because I just, he, I was like, there's no way it's not going to work out for him. I thought you no. wanted to win this series. Yeah. What do you get putting in a guy? With a Number dead one, he arm. hasn't pitched in a month. Right. And he's known to have the dead arm issue. He'd already said, I'm done. What made him decide he wanted? Oh, they got, they made it farther along. I'll. That I'll, uh, might I'll have been in. what it was. Maybe he was just kind I of think, waiting it out and like, all right, if they make it to the, you know, but. I think I if the Dodgers had made it to the World Series, because he pitched great versus the Giants. Oh, yeah. And that was series. super intense. If the Dodgers had made it to the World Series, he probably would have come back to pitch again. Yeah. But um, I have, you know, one word for Max Scherzer. Retirement. Yes, he definitely needs to. Or just back to Florida, where I think one of his houses. Disappear. Just disappear. So anyway, the... uh, the asterisks and the Rangers uh, fire things up at the grill. And uh, who knows? Can the Rangers take a commanding 3-0 lead? And will Max Scherzer all of a sudden become uh, a, a hero in Arlington? Or will the, uh, the Astros get on the board? Well, one thing that is in the Astros' favor... They like playing on the road. And they like playing at the grill because last month they swept the Rangers at home. Astros coach Joe Espada, who is also a name that's being mentioned for some managerial openings and has over the past couple of seasons. But uh, again, this year with some of the openings, his name is uh, connected. He said that, uh, The team just likes hitting first. They like to set the tone for the game. They come out, attack, score some runs. We don't need to be up last. We win the game at the beginning. That's why that's what he said. That's what they like. And so they've they've just kind of that's just became their thing. And uh, and I would say that uh, two things happened here. In uh, in game three. Number one, our feelings about Max Scherzer were true. And the Astros did exactly what they did. They liked it when they get up first. Yeah. And even uh, before uh, this game, Max Scherzer said he wasn't sure what to expect. That does not bring confidence to your team if he's not sure what he's going to do on the mound. 
So he does make it through the first inning, no run scored. But in the second inning, that's when things started, uh, got a little dicey for him. And that's, uh, and that's when uh, a, a wild pitch uh, was, you know, one of the things that happens uh, to him that uh, allows Jordan Alvarez to score. Um, and it just led to three total runs. Martin Maldonado, who a lot of people have been talking about that uh, Yandy Diaz hits better than him. And they're like, nope, Maldonado's our guy. You know, we trust him back there. He's the guy. And he he made him, he proved them right. Yeah, and, he was like two for four, I think. Yeah, so he, you know, he had a, uh, a good, a good, uh, a good night. Jose Altuve in the top of the third, which they like to, uh, to hit, hit a home run that he did. That would be the only long ball of the night for the asterisks. Um, the Rangers would actually have two home runs from the same guy, rookie all-star Josh young. Is it young or Jung? I don't, I've always heard him say young. Oh yeah. I think that's what it is, but I, I think we, I think it'd be more fun to call him Josh Jung. Anyway, he had uh, he had a multi-homer game, two of them uh, driving in four runs, but it just uh, just wasn't enough. But, uh, they couldn't sustain it, and every time that they'd score a run or two, the Astros would come back and score one or two of their own. Yep. They actually, uh, at one point, had a situation with the bases loaded and Jordan Alvarez coming to the plate, and they they actually avoided major disaster still gave up two runs but not four which is kind of what i thought was going to happen <laughs> yeah that's so that, what you usually think think will happen right christian javier pitched pretty well went five and two thirds uh, only gave up three hits and two runs only struck out three but overall uh pretty decent uh outing for him and uh they were able to uh to get out of it uh, without a uh, loss that, like I said, the Rangers did try to come back a couple of times, but they just couldn't sustain anything to get themselves uh, a, a rally going or something. To right. And it, it. it didn't help that you had Max Scherzer on the mound who went four innings, gave up five hits, five runs, um, had four strikeouts, gave up a home run. And it didn't help that John Gray, who came in, in relief, pitched an inning, gave up two hits and one run. So they are probably rethinking that roster decision. Chris Stratton is uh, the only other pitcher of the uh, the Rangers that gave up. He gave up two runs on uh, two hits and a walk. I think he thinks he's with the Dodgers. He has an 18 ERA. <laughs> uh, John Gray also had a pitching a pitcher violation. Right. He did. Oh. And there's not been a lot of violations uh, through the playoffs that I've no, noticed. I haven't seen. Um, I haven't. I don't think I've seen any that I know of. So the Astros take the first game, their first game of this series. Uh, Rangers are still ahead two to one. And tonight will be game four of that series. And then, of course, uh, the D-backs and, uh, and the Phillies will be in Phoenix for game three and four of uh, three, four, and five, actually, if it goes to five. 
this uh, this series, the Rangers and uh, Astros will go to five. So they'll have uh, three there in um, in Arlington and uh, provided uh, the Rangers, uh, the Rangers, uh, if they win out, then they won't go back to Houston. Otherwise, uh, back to Houston for six and seven as needed. And the early game today is the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. And you want to say the late game is the uh, the Rangers and Astros. All right. Like you said, uh, Philly at uh, at the D-backs uh, is an afternoon game today. So just starting, we, we drop at uh, 110 uh, every Thursday. So just a couple of hours from when we drop this episode. So listen to that, and then you'll be ready to watch uh, Game Three of the uh, the Phillies D-backs. Be and totally then, prepared. And then you can watch Corbin Carroll and his ten-gallon hat situation. <laughs> I don't know what it is, where he's wearing that hat, but his hat looks like it's way above his head. Even his um, even his batting helmet. Seems like it sets way high on his head. Yeah. Which is, it's not like he has a, you know, some kind of, like a, what do they call him? A pompadour. No, and even then, (laughs) push it down. (laughs) But, yeah. You know what? And because I brought him up, it was something that I wanted to bring up. Did you, did you see his steal against the Dodgers? I'm sure I did. He stole the base. Put it out and of my memory. Off of Caleb Ferguson. They didn't even throw down. Oh. And it was yeah. before Caleb wasn't even in the windup. He mm-hmm. could have disengaged and thrown over there or thrown that, and they would have hung him out to dry. Nobody's paying attention. No. Freddie was still hanging there at first base. He like hopped out and then was kind of like, oh my goodness nobody's doing anything and took off. And he was there before Will Smith even got the ball almost. Yeah. The Dodgers have never been great with uh, runners on base. Very, very few times do they get anybody out. Cause usually they're not, yeah, they're just not paying attention. And I guess that's kind of a perfect, you know, just encapsulates the, the, the series. Yeah. No, nope, that, that he's paying right attention. There. When I saw that, I went, well, that, that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, one last thing uh, regarding the asterisks. We've been talking about road being road warriors. Uh, 15th time in their past 18 road games. And I think you said this too, seven and one at the grill this season. I think there's a lot of teams that like playing there. Uh, the Dodgers uh, obviously had a good run when in 2020, but even when they've played, they've come in to play the Rangers, you know, when it's their, their turn. Well, this year, obviously you play everybody, but um, I think teams just maybe just, there's something about that park. that's just uh, friendly. Can't call it the friendly confines because that's Wrigley, but there's, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. Well, Corey liked it so much after winning a World Series there. He just went to play there all the time. Yeah, he's like, I got to stay here. This is good for me. What can anyway. I do? So, where we go. Now, we got three games under our ALCS belt. 
two with the uh, with number three and number four for each of the uh, of the series today. So we're still up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen, but that'll give us lots more to talk about. And that'll do it for this edition of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Next week, we will talk about how the championship series end up. And as I recall, we're going to have, uh, our, that'll be what we're talking about. And, and a little preview for the World Series, I guess. Yeah. Because the World Series won't happen until after our next episode. Yeah, it's like uh, two years from now. Oh, no. Right. Yes. <laughs> Yes, the baseball, uh, Major League Baseball has taken on the, uh, they're, they're scheduling out playoff games like the NBA does, one on, six off, one on, and then the Super Bowl or the World Series will be two weeks between games. That's right. We are going to be playing until next spring training, the way it seems to be going. I know, it just drag it out. All right. Well, regardless, we will be here to talk about it. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about, like I said, the championship series, let you know what's going on there, talk about who's going to the World Series and uh, what we expect and our our picks to win it all. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. And on Instagram and Facebook at SiblingRivalryBB with the A. And on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. You can... uh, Hit the Fanatics links off of our webpage and get gear for any of these teams that's still in it. Get gears that's not in it. Get gear for teams not even playing baseball. Whatever kind of gear you want, get it. They have it all. You can even get golf gear and stuff. So it's all right there on our website. Click on the Fanatics link and, uh, and you know, support your team or support your favorite uh, athlete, whatever. And support us while you're doing it exactly the ibwaa podcast host of the year Woo-hoo. so they say <laughs> it's on their website now it is famous so, Woo! we didn't get any money or anything for that did we we didn't even get like a little certificate no not even a certificate or yeah oh well that's all right all right. Well, the, all we got to do is uh, is keep doing what we love doing, which is this talking baseball, and don't forget, because we don't, to swing away. Boy, Harper. Atta boy, Harper.